Welcome back to the show to one of my favorite guests and one of my favorite people, actually, my dear friend, Carla Jean Willie. Welcome back. Thank you. It is always fun. Not that we need an excuse to talk about books, but it's right. always nice to have one. Exactly. And this is our second annual end of the year book roundup book chat. And I think we should just make it a thing from now on. It's an annual thing our listeners can look forward to. Um, well, if the nothing else, you can be sure that I am looking forward to it. I love it. Well, our listeners really responded to last year's episode in such a great way. And I can't wait to hear what your favorite books are for 2022. I told you a second ago offline. And by the way, like I don't say dear friend lightly. Carla Jean is truly one of my dearest friends. We have coffee all the time. We have a coffee date coming up, I think this week, later this week. And we really do talk about books in our real life. And, but I haven't really, I've heard some, you mentioned some books along the way, but I will just tell listeners right off the top. So last year, I think I contributed some of my favorite books of 2022 or 2021 rather. But this year, as I told you offline, Carla Jean, all the books that I've read basically have been for the show and I don't want to play favorites with the authors we've had on the show because I've really enjoyed all of them. So I'm going to leave the heavy lifting on that to you, but I am going to come in and contribute some books that I am looking forward to for 2023, but we'll get there. But first things first, how are you and how was 2022 for you? I know that's a broad question, but how are you doing? I'm fine. Um, I mean, it's December and that always is a hectic time. Um, So it is what it is. Um, I've been teaching a lot of restorative yoga this month, which is nice because I need a lot of restorative yoga in December. So that's helping me stay grounded and focused on creating space, drawing some boundaries and prioritizing the things that are most important to me. And don't we all need more of that in our lives? Yes. Yes, we do. And, you know, we can talk on Friday when we see each other about our goals and what we're looking forward to for 2023. But I really want to draw firmer boundaries and slow down a little bit in 2023. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been running at the speed of light and I would just like a little bit slower pace and to read more books, more fiction, we'll say, because I bring nonfiction to this show. And I really have not read, I've read one fiction book this year that I can remember, and I'm going to talk about it later, but that needs to change. And I think our listeners will appreciate that you are bringing you, I don't know what the books are yet, so it will all be a surprise to me, but you are bringing half nonfiction and half fiction. So that will be nice because we all, all we ever talk about on this show is nonfiction. So that will be, that will be great. But this is our second annual best books of the year episode. I can't really remember if you told, I'm sure I had you tell my listeners about you and how fantastic you are this time last year, but it's been (laughs) a year and you've added more fantasticness to your pile in the last 365 days. So tell them a little bit about your career. I definitely want you to make mention of your own books that you've written, which we will link in the show notes. Sure. Well, I mean, I don't know what you want to know about my career because that is a can of worms and you know it. I could talk for (laughs) probably a good 20 years about that, but I know that you specifically want me to mention that I am an author among other things. And this year, my first book, Muscle Shoals Sound Studio came out on audio. Um, The book was originally published in 2014. 
but the audio just was released maybe a month ago. Yes. So that's something new and different and kind so of exciting. Fun. So, so exciting. And the full title of that book, listeners, is Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, How the Swampers Changed American Music. So I want to tell you a really brief story. I don't know if I've ever told you about the Swampers. So, okay. So can you just say really briefly who the Swampers are? They're, they're a backup band, right? For a lot of, like, go, you, you tell, you're the expert here. They are the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, which um, is a studio band. They are studio musicians who previously worked at Fame Records in Florence, Alabama. Um, actually, I think Fame is actually in Muscle Shoals, and Muscle Shoals is actually in Sheffield. And <laughs> I know um, <laughs> the Shoals is very a very confusing part of Alabama. Yeah, well, and Fame is short for Florence, Alabama Music Enterprises, which is why it's relevant. That which I, don't I, think never, it's knew. Actually, I never knew. I never knew that. Interesting. Okay. And, and that's why it's relevant that I don't think it's even in city limits of Florence. But anyhow, that's neither here nor there to anybody except for people in Alabama or people who are just really into recording studio trivia. But they, um, the Swampers is what the rhythm section is nicknamed. And they formed their own studio. They had a recorded with a ton of artists at fame, including Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. among others and uh, you know really wanted to go deeper into the business opened their own studio a million really well-known artists recorded there including Bob Dylan Bob Seeger mm-hmm. uh, the Rolling Stones I mean Cher it's quite an impressive list and I don't think anybody actually has an exhaustive list of everyone who recorded there because mm-hmm. it was long mm-hmm. um so they are an important part of rock and roll music history and specifically of Alabama music history and Absolutely. the studio is open now for tours I actually haven't been since it was renovated several years ago hey can I go with you would you like to go together sure I've never been. I've, I mean, I've been to the Shoals, but I've never been to the studio. So I would love to make a day with you. We can figure that out later. But I have to tell you my funny Swampers story. So the okay. Swampers listeners are maybe most famously mentioned on Leonard Skinner's song, Sweet Home Alabama. Mm-hmm. And they say in the song, in Muscle Shoals, they have the Swampers. And so I am not from Alabama originally. I've lived in Alabama for 10 years, but I am born and raised in Kansas. So growing up listening to Leonard Skinner and Sweet Home Alabama in Topeka, Kansas, I always thought that the song said in Muscle Shoals, they have the swamp land. And so when I finally did make it down to Muscle Shoals in 20, I don't know, 2009, 2010, I went with a friend who's from um from Tuscumbia which is another town in the Shoals mm-hmm. and I said well where's the swamp land I want to go to the swamp land <laughs> and she had no idea what I was talking about because if you've ever been if you've ever been to the Shoals there's uh, there's no swamp land there to speak of and so I she's like what what on earth are you talking about and I said well Leonard Skinner said in Muscle Shoals they have 
the swampland and I want to go see it because I love that song. And of course you're laughing because that's ridiculous because the lyric is the swampers. And so it probably, you know, everybody in Alabama, well, I, I say everybody, that's a generalization, but a lot of people down here know who the swampers are. Even you don't have to be from the South to know, you just don't have to be a naive girl from Kansas. And um, anyway, so I thought you'd appreciate that because now I've been corrected and Carla Jean wrote a book about it. So um, check out that book. And then what other books have you written? Because you've written a couple of others too. I'd love for you to name them. Well, before we move to that, I do want to just play a little more trivia. Do you know where Leonard Skinner's from? Jacksonville, Florida, right? There we go. Yeah, uh, and you have you have connections in Florida too. So well, I grew up in Jacksonville, moved there in 88. So and everybody always, thinks that Leonard Skinner is from Alabama, but they are in fact not from Alabama. Florida. Very Bay. much very much not from Alabama, but the first album they ever recorded was at Muscle Shoal Sound Studio. There you go. Was not go. not the first one they re released, but first one they recorded. Anyhow, well, I also wrote Birmingham Beer. Um, I would tell you what the subtitle is, but honestly, I don't remember. It's a heady <laughs> history of like Birmingham brewing or something like that. Uh -huh. um, we'll put I it in the show notes. I, I didn't write the subtitle, um, but it is what it sounds like. It's a history of beer in Birmingham, Alabama, which mm -hmm. when I started researching it, some people said, well, I mean, that's going to be pretty short, right? Um, it didn't start <laughs> till like 08. And so actually beer in Birmingham started shortly after the city started, but Jefferson County went dry before national prohibition. So there was a very long period where there was not brewing or at least mm -hmm. not legal brewing in mm. Birmingham. Interesting. But, and listeners, I should mention that Carla Jean and I both call Birmingham home. So that's, that's very localized, but I'm sure it's also in incredibly interesting no matter where you live. Cause who doesn't want to read about beer a little bit more? I, I don't read about beer near enough. So. Yeah, I always tell people I write history, but only the boring kind. Um, <laughs> Said sarcastically. There's nothing boring about yes. beer. And, and then I'm there's another not, book. I'm not a big fan of reading history, so it actually is kind of funny that that's, that's how it's funny. worked out. Um, I also self-published an ebook called Balancing Act, and it's a collection of yoga essays. I love that. Which, as you said before, you teach yoga, and not only do you teach it, but you're a a great practitioner of it as well. So, and uh, just a lover of it in general. Well, let's get into the meat of the show. Let's, let's give the people what they came for. So I asked you, my trusted friend who always has the best book recommendations to bring your five, but five is an arbitrary number. Take it, take it to six, take it to whatever you want, take it to four favorite books of the year, which is saying something because you read so much. And I know that last year, as I said, at the top of the show, we went back and forth. If my memory serves me, which I can't remember what I was wearing yesterday. So who knows what I said in 2021, but to be, as I said, to be honest with you, I've done a lot of reading. It's all been for the show and I don't want to pick favorites because I don't, that will feel like I'm picking a favorite guest and that's not, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to leave this part of the program to you. It's interested hands. So bring it to us. What have been your, some of your favorite books of the year? And I'd like to emphasize that word that these are my favorite books of the year I won't say necessarily they are the best books of the year um while I do read somewhat widely and 
I try to be intentional about reading books that don't always reflect my own experiences. Um, you know, this is not something that I've like methodically gone through what was published in 22 and thought, okay, this is comprehensive. That's not what this list is. This list is my favorite books that I've read this year. Um, and that was the assignment and I know you'll carry it out flawlessly. <laughs> I am a book reviewer in addition to, you know, other things. Apparently, I don't need hobbies. I've got too many of them. Um, <laughs> but so some of these are books that I reviewed for book page, which is the primary place that I review. Some of them are books that I read reviews of and said, ooh, I need to go pick that up. Mm -hmm. um, but I will jump right in. We'll go with nonfiction for our first one, because I know that is your sweet spot, Rachel. It I always really like is. to bring um, some fiction into the conversation when I'm talking with you, because I know that's just not where you spend a lot of time. But the truth mm -hmm. is I'm a nonfiction writer and I'm a big nonfiction reader. One of my favorite books of the year is Lost and Found by Katherine Schultz, um, which came out right at the beginning of 2022, I believe, I remember reading it around Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Um, so Schultz is a writer for The New Yorker and just ridiculously talented. This book weaves together the story of her father's death and her experience falling in love with her wife, who is also a fantastic writer and a New Yorker um, writer, Casey Sepp, whose book, um, Furious Hours, I strongly recommend if you have not read it already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, um, Schultz's writing, she really blends memoir and history research. There's a lot of drawing parallels between different ideas even there's a passage where she gets really deep into the meaning of the ampersand the book hmm. is lost and using an ampersand found okay and it's that kind of attention to detail that makes this go beyond her individual story into something deeper and something universal it is a gorgeous book that I'm looking forward to revisiting. Um, and also I will say both that she and Casey Sepp are the kind of writers that when I sit down and read their work, I'm like, oh, I'm jealous of how smart you are. Um, and that's saying something because so, I think you're the most brilliant person I know. So well, that's, that's saying something. That's high praise. Um, yes. They are brilliant, brilliant women, brilliant writers. And also, this book is particularly beautiful. You know, we can debate the value of judging a book by its cover. I think a well-designed cover should reflect the interior of the book. Um, so I'm not opposed to taking that into account. But yeah, this one is really gorgeous. So I really love, I mean, this, I don't know, love might not be the right word. I spend a lot of time thinking about the relationships between death and love and what brings meaning to our life. And uh, Catherine Schultz does that in a beautiful way in this memoir. 
So you've mentioned this recommend. book to me. You've mentioned this book to me at one of our coffees. We've talked about this book. I know we have, and I need to put that on my list to check out because I've not yet read it. So Lost and Found, Catherine Schultz, correct? Correct. Strong recommendation. Go get it. Awesome. Um, then let's see, who shall we talk about next? Um, the Crane Wife by C.J. Hauser. Listen, my nonfiction are all memoir recommendations. I love memoirs. And this one is called A Memoir in Essays. And some of these essays might be familiar to you or to readers. The Crane Wife was published to great acclaim several years ago and basically like blew up the internet when the Paris Review published it in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, so this essay collection, again, it's, I don't want to just keep saying a book is smart. That feels like lazy shorthand, but it is. It's incredibly smart. And I love the way that Hauser writes about various things like women's health or falling in love or the expectations that we have for ourselves or the expectations that society has for us that inform what we expect for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, for example, she writes about the idea of dating someone as though that person could be a parent to her hypothetical child. And I've started and, thinking about that as well, like dating someone, not even just through the lens of, could this man be my husband, but could this mm -hmm. man be a good, yeah, could this man be a good father to my children someday? That's interesting. Yeah. And she explores the idea of like, okay, how does that affect who I date and how do I want that? to affect potential relationships. Mm -hmm. um, she also explores um, ideas of her body and what it means, how it serves her, how it moves her through life. And I just really love the way that she digs into these various ideas, which really complement each other but this is the, like I said a memoir and essays it's not a straight narrative all the way through these things certainly inform one another um particularly as a woman I thought this book what just made me feel seen and heard and recognized and you know drew out further some things that I have spent time contemplating actually one of my male friends is the reason I ended up requesting this book for review um, because his girlfriend had sent him the essay, The Crane Wife, which I had not yet read at that time, even though it was several years old. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, this is, this is a good time to dig into that. So his girlfriend sent it to him because she felt like it was the best description of a relationship's dissolution that she had read. And when I read the essay, I saw that the full book was coming and I was like, I'm going to need that. So, I'm going to need to review that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I requested it almost immediately and just loved it. It is a fantastic, thoughtful book. If you are in a place in life where you say like, okay, I don't have time right now to sit down with like 300 pages, but maybe I could sit down with 20 pages. Mm -hmm. They are the kind of essays that you could pick up, read one, and then 
come back to the rest of the book later. Um, mm -hmm. So that can be really helpful sometimes for people. But I just, I loved it so much that I plowed right through it. Oh, that'll be me too. Um, one of my, I think probably my favorite book of all time, potentially, and that's so loaded because there's so many of them, but mm -hmm. is a book of essays, Tiny Beautiful Things. And oh, it's so good. <laughs> the, the best. It just gets no better than that. And so I love books of essays and, and with Tiny Beautiful Things, and I'm sure it will be this way because I'm definitely going to read this book, mm -hmm. The Crane Wife, but with tiny beautiful things, I wanted to plow through it, but it was so rich. It would be the equivalent of eating like a hundred slices of the richest chocolate cake. You're going to get sick. It's just too much at one sitting. So I had to, with tiny beautiful things I had, I would read maybe one or two essays and then I'd have to take a break because it was so beautiful and heart wrenching. And I, I don't know, we'll see how, how I do with the crane wife, but I will definitely be checking mm -hmm. that out. The Crane Wife, C.J. Hauser, correct? Yes, and the the way that you describe um, tiny beautiful things is very similar to the first time I read Late Migrations by Margaret Rinkle, which is my favorite book. And we've um, had and Margaret Rinkle on the show, and that was a mountaintop moment for me. She's incredible. She's so great. And the first time I read it, I just like blew through it in a day or two, maybe, and then. I was like, why well, didn't take any notes? And I was reviewing it. So I had to reread it for the review. I read it three times that year because mm -hmm. I'm totally chill, no intensity here whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I love but, it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm already sold on, I'm already sold on the first, on the first two books that you've brought to the table. So let's keep it going. Well, and because, you know, I would really love to come to you with really light material. I'm going to recommend next, In Love, A Memoir of Love and Loss by Amy Bloom. Ooh, I've seen this pop up over and over again oh. on my Amazon of books that I should read. Like, you know how they do the algorithm, like based off of what mm -hmm. I've ordered, you should read this. This has, this has come up over and over again for me. So I clearly am meant to read this book. So tell us about it. I I've, I've seen literally seen this pop up at least three times. So I will have to get this book, but tell, tell me about it. Well, I also recently recommended it to our therapist. So I need to check back in and see. Yes. Carla Jean and I have a mutual <laughs> therapist. So that tells you how, how connected we are as friends. And we finally ran into each other at said therapist for the first time in many years on Friday. So we're on the same wavelength. But okay, so in love, Amy Bloom. Okay, tell tell me more. So I was joking about only recommending super light material because this is a memoir about her husband's assisted suicide. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and it is beautiful. And uh, I want to reread it. This is the problem with books is that I would like to reread so many of them, but then I'm also like, but I haven't read everything I own yet, but. <laughs> I want to read this There's one. Never again, enough hours that over here. I will die before I read everything that I want to read. And when I realized that, that was when I first began to sense my more mortality. Yeah. Anyhow, sure. um, so her husband Brian um is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and quickly says, "Okay, well, that's that. Then I am not going to." allow this disease to kill me. I am not, that's not how I want my life to end. So we're going to figure out how I can end, end it through physician assisted suicide. Hmm. And this book, Amy does the research to figure out like, 
okay, so how do we do that? You know, a lot of her friends would say, well, can't you just go here, there, or the other? But the regulations around this are really complex. They end up going to um, a facility in Switzerland, in Zurich. And just as she writes about their relationship, their past relationships and how they came together, she's reflecting on their lives, the beauty of what they chose together. And certainly neither of them come off as perfect people, which I think is part of the beauty, right? Because for one thing, there is no such thing right. as a perfect person. Um, but they made this life together by choosing each other and by choosing to be together. And he, he lived his life with choice right up to the end. She accompanied him to Switzerland for his death. And, you know, if it's painful, of course it is. Um, but it is also beautiful. And yeah, I do tend to read a lot of grief memoirs. That's something that my friends kind of know me for. Mm -hmm. um this ranks highly in my list of grief memoirs I strongly recommend it to anybody I hope that the specific scenario is not something that you can relate to but we all experience love and loss in some form and I think we can learn a lot from one another yeah well, I can tell you now that you've told me a little bit about the book why this book keeps coming up in my algorithm because I lost, and we had, we just had an episode on this less than a month ago um, about Alzheimer's disease. I lost three of my four grandparents to complications from Alzheimer's disease. So that, that is something that I'm very familiar with. And then also, of course, you know, this Carla Jean, um, 2022 has been a beautiful year in a lot of ways for me, but it's also been a year of profound grief for me. And um, I had a very close family member die of suicide this year. And um not assisted suicide, but suicide. And um, so, so it makes, that makes even more sense than, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting the book to be. If I was expecting it to be like a romance <laughs> situation, like, which I'm sure it is because it's about maybe the deepest form of love um, being willing to say goodbye. But um, I did not expect it to be about that. And so now it makes sense why this book continues to pop up for me. So I will definitely be checking that out. Well, and that Amy Bloom is also a novelist. I have not read any of her fiction, but this was my first encounter with her writing. To my curiosity, I will be reading more of her books for sure. Wow. Um, okay. Well, you brought some that, some heavy some heavy hitters there. Your nonfiction picks are not um, not uh, to be taken lightly. I, I will need to prepare myself to read all of those, but I, I do want to read all three of those that you just talked about. Well, now that I'm looking at my list of um, fiction, I'm afraid that I'm not going to get any lighter. <laughs> has, has 2022 been a heavy year for you <laughs> in reading or otherwise? That's a rhetorical question. But um, so were those your nonfiction picks? Those are my three nonfiction picks. Don't worry. All three of my fiction picks also have to do with death. Oh, good. Um, okay. Well, actually, I mean, I, I say that sarcastically, but also like, I'm, I'm just in, I, I'm in a phase right now where I'm, and, and I don't think we should be so afraid of death because we, you know, I've, at least me, I've, I've avoided thinking about it, reading about it, talking about it, but it has, it by force has become a huge part of my life this year. And 
you know, the more I lean into the, the inevitable fact that we will all die someday. And I hate to like take this podcast down this road, but it's just, the, it's just the facts. It's just the truth. It's it, the more I've opened my mind to the reality of death, the more, the less scary it is. So the, um, <clears throat> in late migrations, Margaret Rankle writes that what we call the life cycle could just as easily be called the death cycle. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that resonates with me. Um, you know, it is a part of the nature of things. It's not all bad. Um, I'm not gonna say it's all good either, but Mm -hmm. sitting with these ideas is important. Um, It's reality. Exactly. Whether that's what we want or not. Yeah. So probably my favorite, I don't know. I don't know if I can say it's my favorite novel of the year. It might be my favorite novel of the year. It's clearly one of them because I'm going to talk about it now. Um, One of my favorite novels of the year is We All Want Impossible Things by Catherine Newman. Um, I started it one night, I think it was late summer, and read a few pages right before bed and thought, ooh, I have to go to sleep now, but I think this one's going to go really quick. I sat down the next day and read it all the way through. I had friends coming over for dinner that night. And when one of them arrived, the first one arrived, I said, sorry, I need to clean my home because finishing this book was more important. Um, (laughs) And that's why we're friends, Carla Jean, because I would be like, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. Well, the other friend was running late, so I cleaned before he got here. But um, I, I just needed to finish this novel and it, it was another one of those that I read so quickly that I had to go back and reread it before I submitted the review. So the general conceit of the story is, it's a story about two best friends, um, Ash and Edie. Edie is in the hospital. The hospital says, all right, we need to transfer you to hospice care. And the all of the hospices near her have a waiting list. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a great scene where Ash is imagining like the, the hospices going down the waiting list and being like, oh, you don't need our services anymore. Okay, maybe next time. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it's exactly like that where it's like incredibly sad and yet hilarious. So Edie ends up going to a hospice near where Ash lives um, an hour or two away. And the, the book is just about the experience of trying to say goodbye to her best friend. She and Edie ends up living longer than expected in hospice care. And all of the mundane moments of Ash's everyday life are woven through the story. She is separated from her husband. So her like romantic problems show up quite a bit. Um, She's got two kids, so their experiences are in there. There's a moment toward the end where Edie's death is imminent, so everybody starts converging, coming in to say goodbye, and Ash's kids are like, okay, well, I want to be here to say goodbye, but also I'm kind of scared. Yeah. Um, And so my dad was in hospice for the last three-ish days of his life, really, really short time, not, not comparable in time. To this novel, but so much of what Catherine Newman wrote here resonated with me 
because, you know, while we waited for those last final days for him to let go, there were still a lot of really funny moments and there were still a lot of just, okay, well, I guess I need to like go home and cook something for dinner kind of moments. Right. Um, because life and death are just so intermingled with one another. So this novel felt really real to me. I suspect that that is partly because Newman has experienced her own best friend's death. And, you know, I don't know how much of this was inspired by that experience, but it is an experience she has written about previously. Mm. Um, so it feels, you know, fiction at its best, I think can reflect a lot of life back to us. Even there's a lot of truth in fiction, even if it's not real life as it happened. Yeah. And that's why I loved this book so much. I've already read it twice. I already loaned it to a friend. Um, and it's one that I think I'll be talking about for quite a long time. See, again, sold me. I, I will have to check. I think I'm going to end up obviously reading all six of your picks or however many you bring. Um, and I think that I, I tend to, and I don't read a lot of fiction and you know this and my listeners obviously know this too, but, and I think that's because I have a, a fallacy that fiction is so not reality, but the, mm-hmm. but you just said that the best fiction has its truth, its basis, its foundation in reality. And and this to you was fiction, but it, it felt like it was so mired in truth as well. And I love that. Yeah. It, That's very um, attractive to me. It was a really powerful book and a really like easy light read in some ways, despite its heavy subject matter. I was going to say, really? <laughs> Do you mean that? <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> like I said, I read it in a day. I blew right through it. Um, so yeah, I loved it. Um, also, in terms of authors writing about death and the death of someone important to them, Emma Straub's book, latest book, is This Time Tomorrow, which was also released earlier this year. I've read several of her books, and you know she's beloved as the owner of um, the Brooklyn bookstore, Books Are Magic, which is a great shop, strongly mm-hmm. recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read several of her books and liked them fine, but, you know, personally, not, they were, have not been my very favorite. This book wrecked <laughs> me. Mm. Um, I could tell pretty early on, like, okay, I'm going to cry at this one. And I love a book that makes me cry. How um, often do you cry at books? Just curious. I mean, like, obviously you don't have the percentage in front of you, but out of 10 books, how many books make you cry? Um, less than one. Yeah, same. Um, it takes a lot to take me there. So if you're, if you have that, it, it must be really powerful if it's making you cry. Yeah, I think I probably cried at two or three books this year. Um, definitely cried at We All Want Impossible Things, and I definitely cried at this time tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So this time tomorrow, the main character, um, Alice, is about to turn forty. She wakes up the next day and finds herself in 1996 when she was 16 years old. Oh, I love it already. Um, the mid to late 90s are my uh, peak years of life, probably. Yeah, right. Love it. Um, so love it, love it, love it. 
the main character is a year older than me. Um, I was born in 81, so I was 97. And mm -hmm. I was 16 and 97. Um, so there are a lot of like pop culture references and just like views of how the world was. I would read time. it just for that. I would read it just for that. It was so fun. Um, but in present day, Alice's dad is not doing so well. And he's, uh, you know, one of the people who's the most important to her. So going back to when she was 16 years old is, you know, like, okay, well, here's my dad and he's okay. And I wonder, you know, are there things I could do differently to keep him okay in the future? Is he going to, um, if, you know, like the whole butterfly effect, like if I do something differently now, how is it going to ripple out into the future? Mm -hmm. I do, I will say, I'm not like a big sci-fi person, but I've read a few time travel novels that I really love and add this to that list. Um, but also just the experience of, okay, my dad is gonna die. Does my dad have to die? You know, my dad, like I just mentioned, died a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so that what felt really personal to me, but also Emma Straub's dad died a couple months ago, actually after she finished the book. This is not exactly a book about him, but at the same time, her dad did die this year. Mm -hmm. And I saw some of her tweets about it, about his death, and he was a writer, um, a science fiction writer. I believe, um, or fantasy, um, and right, reading the way that she had written about her dad and that reading people's reaction to his death is actually what piqued my interest in this book. I checked this one out from the library and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to need to buy that one. It yeah. was so good. That's the ultimate so seal of approval is when you buy a book that you read from the library, that is the ultimate. Yes. This book is great. Yeah, this book is great. I love, 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 loved it. Loved it. Well, I will loved be it. again. You're you're five for five so far. So let's see if you can close it with a with a full six for six. But I, again, I will buy anything just to take me back to 1996, 97, 98. Did you know? Okay, we're recording this episode on December 18th. Did you know that tomorrow, the 19th, is the, this will make you go whoa where did time go tomorrow is the 25th anniversary of the release of titanic the movie in theaters okay so well there's that for you you just really aged yeah i know i know i know and like i was uh gosh how old was i 11 and we had a competition in our school who could see it the most times in titanic as anybody knows is not a short movie it's a commitment and i can't even count how many times i saw that movie in theaters so just yeah, I can 25 years ago tomorrow. I saw it five times in theaters because yep. I was 16 years old. I had a driver's license. I yeah. Would, see, if I had a driver's license, maybe I would have seen it more. I, I had to depend on mm -hmm. someone to take me to the theater. Yeah, I hear you. But 25 years ago. So I will, I will read anything that will transport me back there. Absolutely. Well, I strongly recommend it. I think you would really enjoy this book. Um, for all of the reasons, but definitely those mid nineties references are mm -hmm. a bonus. Love it. Love um, it. So you got one it. more, right? 
I've got one more and I'm going to cheat a little bit because um, I read three books by this author this year. I'm going to talk about one of them, but you know, I have to mention some of the others. Do it. So do it. I yeah, just read Danny Shapiro's Signal Fires um, about a month ago. It is her newest novel. I believe it was her first novel in 15 years, mm -hmm. um, if I remember the length of time correctly. And like I said, all of the novels I'm recommending have to do with death. Um, when the book opens, three teenagers have been in a car wreck. One of the teens dies and the other two, it's a brother and sister. Um, the book explores the way that that night affects their lives. So Danny does several really wonderful things here. She's exploring like both memory and grief in some interesting ways, jumping through time from the moment when this wreck occurs, which is set in 1985, jumping earlier to like when the family moved into that house, uh, jumping later to when the, the two kids who were in the wreck, their adulthood and their experience um, and their experience as later as their mom dies um, is going heading toward death as she is in um, a nursing home with dementia, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's also a recurring theme in my recommendations. They're not intentional. And I really loved the ways that she explored memory and how our choices influence the rest of our lives um, and how that affects our family lives as well. So the night of this car wreck is something that this family really doesn't talk about, even though it is a central moment in all of their lives. So we see the way that the decision not to talk about it affects them, their parents and the two kids as they move forward through their lives. Um, it's really, it's beautiful. It's painful. I loved it. And I think Danny Shapiro is a brilliant writer. Um, a few months ago, I read Inheritance, which is one of her memoirs. Um, the subtitle is a memoir of genealogy, paternity, and love. In hmm. short, she is among the people who completed a DNA test only to find that her parents were not who she thought they were. Oh, wow. Um, and that is one of those books that I loved so much. I got it from the library and I have since purchased a copy. Um, so she's really wonderful at exploring these big ideas and doing so with like this beautiful voice, great sense of literary. Um, I'm sorry, I'm completely distracted by one of my cats trying to climb the wall. Can you hear him? <laughs> <laughs> he was on, he was on this, it was in front of the screen earlier. So he just wants to be a part of the action. He really does. He was helping me with plant tonight's yoga class earlier too. So he's just really, he's a mama's boy. Totally. Um, anyway, Danny Shapiro is a brilliant writer and I have read three of her books this fall and can't wait to read more. Um, and love just it. really I love that, that moment when you fall in love with a writer and they're like, ooh, you've got like 10 other books. So that's the best. See where we're going that next. is the best. Yes. I've, uh, there's just no better feeling than being like, awesome. This person's got at least five other books. I'm set for at least a little bit. Yeah. So, and do I 
buy them all? Do I check them out from the library? <laughs> TBD, but right. I, I love her. I loved this book. I will mention, and because I know this is off-putting for some people, that there is a chapter set in the pandemic. And I, one friend who I recommended this book to was like, I'm not ready for anything set in the pandemic. To me, it was not a big deal. It was a couple pages, but your, your mileage may vary. I thought it was well done. Um, but and generally speaking, no, I do not want to read a book about COVID-19 either. Um, I don't want to read a full, well, I say that, but we've had someone on this show talking about the pandemic, about the race between Pfizer and Moderna mm-hmm. to get the vaccine out quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was incredibly interesting. And that was, I had that interview in 20, I think in 2021, and or mm-hmm. early 2022 and it, it was so we were still very much in the thick of COVID and it was still very interesting but yeah I don't know if I want to read a fiction book yet about COVID I don't like I, I go to fiction to escape generally and uh and it's too a little too soon for that but we will link all all well there's a couple more than six we'll link every book you just said in, including your own in the show notes but I want to ask you and first of all thank you those were I mean, I want to read all six of them. So you're six for six, actually seven for seven, because I want to read Inheritance too. So bravo, brava. And I want to know, because you read a lot of books, you read a ton of books. I mean, you, you put me to shame and not that it's a competition, but in your view, how was 2022 in the landscape of books in general? How, how did this year fare, say, to 2021 or other years of recent memory? So my reading year was not as good this year um, in a variety of ways. I read a little bit less this year than I did the past two years. As we sit right now, I think I've finished 78. Which would be a banner year year for most people, right? Like that's more than a book a week. So that would be, that would be, that's almost, that's way more than a book a week actually. And so that would be a banner year for most people. So listeners don't feel like you're Mm -hmm. lagging behind if you haven't read 78 books. I don't even know if I have, but, um, but Mm -hmm. for you, that's, that's a slower year. It's slower compared to the last few years. And I like to, I mean, in 2020, I read 150 books now in 2020, what else was going on, right? Right, you were in the pandemic, yeah, yeah. And I like to keep a track of how much I read per year because it tells me that sort of thing. This year, um, and last year I read in excess of 100 books, but this year there was more opportunity to have some sense of normalcy and that's right. reflected in right. reading fewer books. Right. Um, I also read fewer books that just blew me away but, you know, I just told you about several books that just blew me away. So, you know, that's my experience. But I'm sitting here, too, with several books that are recently published that I haven't read yet. And I'm really excited to get into. So um, if I may give those just a quick shout out. The book yeah, go used. for it. So tell me what you're tell me what you're looking forward to for 2023. Well, these are not 2023 books. These are 2022 books. Got it. Um, the Book of Goose by Yim Lee is um, a story about a couple of best friends that has been highly recommended. I've got it here from the library, but haven't read it yet. Booth by Karen Joy Fowler is um, about... I think we're going to play maybe loosely with the term about, but about um, 
John Wilkes Booth, um, Lincoln's assassin, mm-hmm. and his family. It's a novel. Um, it's a fat novel, and I just picked it up recently, um, earlier this week, but haven't started it yet. It's by the author of We're All Completely Beside Ourselves, which I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. And then I've heard a lot about Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which um, I have not picked up yet, but everyone I talk to who has read this book says, you have got to read it. It's by Gabrielle Zevin. It is um, about two friends and video game design. And everyone says, it doesn't matter if you know or care about video games. That's the entry point into the story. Mm-hmm. It's not a book for people who like video games per se. Although if you like video games, it probably is also for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are three novels that I'm really excited about that, um, gosh, it's like sometimes this, I, I like my job, but some days I'm like, can I just get paid to stay home to read instead? I know. Isn't that the dream? And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, how big is your book pile right now on your nightstand? How, how deep is your pile? I do not keep a pile on my nightstand because that feels like a to-do list. Um, um, it does. Cause I have a pile on my nightstand and it's kind of overwhelming sometimes including yeah, right now. I, um, so I do not keep in unread books in my bedroom. Um, now, how deep is my TBR? I mean, it's like a hundred books. Let's be real. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I have, a, so I have a stack in my guest room closet of books that I have recently purchased of library books. And I have a drawer full of books that I've recently acquired. Between those three categories, I probably have like 25 or so, mm-hmm. but I've also got books stashed all over the house that, you know, I mean, I own at least a hundred, probably many more than a hundred books that I haven't yet read. I acquire wow. faster than I read. Wow. Wow. Um, it's a hobby of its own. No, I'm just thinking like, we're so good because we support our local libraries and we support our local bookstores. So go us. I know we, I know you, and I know that you do both and I do as well. So mm-hmm. this is the part that I will jump in and contribute to, but I'm going to ask you first, are there any books that are coming out in 2023 that you're looking particularly forward to? Oh yes. I've got quite a list and I think probably some back and forth here. Yeah, we can go, we can go back and we'll go back and forth. So we'll start with you. Well, I just read The Urgent Life, um, my story of love. Ooh, that's on my list. I'm trying to get her on the show. Please, God, put speaking this into existence. Yes, yes, go ahead. Yes, so Bozoma St. John, um, I actually have to turn in my review of it tomorrow. I was a little bit nervous going into this one because she is you know, a really well-renowned marketing executive. Right. And I was afraid it was going to be like a marketing executive's guide to grief, which sounded hokey. It's not that at all. Um, she does mention her career at a few different points, um, but it's not, her. the book is not about her career. It is a really lovely story of, it's largely about her experience with her husband's death, but also mm-hmm. explores other moments of grief throughout her life. It, it And it's beautifully written. That one is currently scheduled to come out in February, yep. I think. 
Yep, um, that's right. Although, you know, those dates can change. So that's one that I just read. And, well, I put um, the request in yesterday, actually, to have her on the show. So speaking that into existence, I'm a big fan of hers personally. Obviously, I've, I've not read the book, but um, but just her alone will make me want to read that book. So I'm I'm looking forward to that book as well. It's a good one. I think you'll like it a lot. All right. Well, I'm going to add this in here. So this is not, this is not a 2023 book, but I do want to contribute one thing, one thing from 2022 to the best books list. And it's actually fiction. It is the literal one solo only fiction book I read in 2022. Cause I seriously do read 99% nonfiction. So my fiction pick of 2022 one because it's a a it's a good book b it's the only one it was a one of one category um meant to be by emily giffen it came out in late may it is uh, do i do i tell you this or not if you haven't read the book i'm not going okay i'm not going to spoil it but once you figure out it took me probably it took me longer than i thought i would to figure this out because this couple that this fiction book is based off of is probably my favorite celebrity couple of all time. And so once you figure out that this story is based on this very famous couple from the 1990s who are no longer with us, they've both passed away. Um, They passed away together. I'm totally blowing this um, Mm -hmm. and spoiling this, but they passed away together in the late 90s. it makes the book even more special. And it, it's a good book anyway. Like I was into the story even before I realized, oh my gosh, Emily Giffen, who is one of my favorite fiction authors is talking about XYZ and XYZ. So I just want to throw this in the mix meant to be Emily Giffen. I always love it when her, it's such a shame because her, she has a book come out about once every two years and I read it in a day and then, you know, it's 600 and however many days until I get to do it again. And so this was, uh, this was really good. So that's, that's my pick. So I'm going to throw, okay, now I'm volley, volleying it back to you for mm-hmm. now we'll do another, well, I say, well, anyway, some of mine are from late 2022, but you, you go ahead with your next 2023 pick. Okay. Um, so did you, well, you probably didn't because you don't read that many novels or have you heard of Dear Edward by Anne Napolitano? I have not. Okay. So it was one of my favorite books that I read in 2020. Um, and it was, I mean, again, shocker, super light read. Um, it's about a novel about a boy who is the sole survivor in a plane wreck. Um, but it was beautiful. And she has a new novel coming out in March called Hello Beautiful. Okay. And I'm immediately like, ooh, another one by her. I'm going to need to read this. So I don't even know that much about it at this point, but I love Dear Edward so much that I cannot wait to read Hello Beautiful, which sounds like there's also some, you know, tragedy in the main character's past. So we will see how that one shakes out. But it's funny how there's like so many through lines here because the celebrity couple that I just, I mean, now I've totally given it away, but the celebrity I mean, couple, I know, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. So the, the celebrity couple that I was just talking about died in a plane crash. So there's through lines everywhere. And my next pick has a through line to something you mentioned earlier. You mentioned John Wilkes mm-hmm. Booth, Abraham Lincoln's assassin. 
um, a book that I that has come out in 2022, October 18th to be exact, but I haven't had the chance to read it yet, is And There Was Light, Abraham Lincoln and the American Struggle by John Meacham, who not only is one of my favorite writers, he's written biographies on uh, Bush 41, and just he's just a brilliant writer and he's also a great podcaster too and so that has been on my list and I actually just finally bit the bullet and ordered it on Amazon yesterday so that should be here soon um I don't really know anything else about it honestly other than it's apparently about Abraham Lincoln and the American struggle but um he's I love I see you say you don't like to read about history I love to read about history that's probably my favorite thing to read about and so I'm really excited to dig into that one and it's called and there was light Abraham Lincoln and the American struggle and it's been out for a couple months but I just haven't gotten to it yet so what's your next pick for 2023 well it's a mutual pick I know that you are interested in this one as well Mm -hmm. I cannot wait for enchantment awakening oh you took that that's on my list too yep yep that's that is a mutual pick so the new book by Catherine may is slated to come out february 28th Mm -hmm. and i am also due to complete my annual reread of wintering Um, yes yes but who cannot relate to the idea of feeling ground down by new cycle and social media and just like the weight of the world these days. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Right. So when I see that Catherine May is going to explore that, like all of that and how to re-engage with it, the world with a sense of enchantment. I'm like, yes, do tell me more. Um, Listen, I know I'm saying this from a place of privilege, right? But it's true. Like even in a good life, it can get really easy to get just, everything seems so hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. So given the thought that she has brought to her past books, I can't wait to see what this one holds. Yes, you took one right off my list. The full title of that book is Enchantment, Awakening Wonder in an Anxious Age. It's by Catherine May, due out February 28th. So you turned me on to Catherine May. We were, you and I were shopping at, I would say, our mutual favorite local bookstore in Birmingham called Thank You Books. We came across Catherine May's Wintering. And I don't buy a lot of books. I get, I'm, I'm in a privileged position to get sent a lot of books. I also am a big library person, but you, you said, this book is so good. You're going to want this in your collection. And I trust you. And I bought it and I absolutely am so glad that I have it in my collection. And that book is called wintering. So I, I, that's actually the only Catherine May that I've ever read. So I'm really excited for enchantment to come out. I've also asked Catherine May on the show. So again, speaking that one, into existence, that would be amazing if she would join us here as well. So my next pick is a book that again is, has come out in 2022 and I just haven't had the chance to read it yet. Um, didn't even ask this fantastic woman on the show because that just was probably a little bit out of the league of I'd rather be reading, but Michelle Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama's book, <laughs> The Light We The Light We Carry. I've had some great people on this show. I don't know if I can Michelle Obama yet, yet, underscore yet, but the light we carry Michelle Obama, it came out November 15th. I really loved her memoir Becoming, which came out a couple years ago. And so this is 
her second book. And I don't honestly know much about it beyond that, but I can't wait to read it. And so that's also been ordered and we'll be doing any day, hopefully this week. So what's your next 2023? Gosh. I, I keep thinking like, I need to narrow this list down because it's going to end up being the longest episode ever otherwise, but <laughs> I have, have three, I have three more. So if you can perfect. get it down to that, can, then we'll be good. I can, I can limit myself to three more. Um, cool. So I had to go searching in my email to find the title of this book because I pre-ordered it like four months ago when it's not due out until April, but I am excited for You Can Make This Place Beautiful by Maggie Smith. Ooh, that, that's so interesting. Okay. I just heard about that book this week. That's yeah. Well, I can't wait. So that line might sound familiar if you've ever read or heard the poem Good Bones, which I think was dubbed the poem of 2016. I didn't hear it or read it rather until 2020, but it's a great poem. She's a great poet. And she has this memoir coming out in April that explores the end of her marriage. And yeah, I do tend to go in for the books about the really happy stuff. I see that pattern. I mean, I'm telling Um, you, I'm telling you there's a pattern here. But you know, the truth is that these hard moments inform our lives. And typically these books, when I'm reading them, also find some hope and some meaning for continuing on. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I ordered the book on August 11th. It is due out on April 11th. So I keep forgetting about it and thinking like, oh, yay, something to look forward to. And I'll forget about it here again soon. Um, get excited about it all over again. I'll also say the cover, at least as it is currently pictured, sometimes these things change. Um, it looks really beautiful too. So, you know, you said it perfectly. You can't judge a book by its cover, but it certainly does not hurt. It certainly does not hurt. I mean, when I look for, when I look through Amazon for books that I want to read, if if a book has a great cover, then I, I can't say I'm not compelled at least a little bit. Yeah. If the book designer is doing their job, it should tell you something about what's inside. Exactly. Well, I say that all of my picks are for 2023, but that's, this is proving to be a fallacy because this is my, what, this is like my third or fourth book that I'm bringing to the table that I'm looking forward to reading in 2023. And all of them have come out in 2022, but whatever, we have no rules here. So one of my favorite nonfiction authors is Kate Anderson Brower. She's great. She writes about all the topics that I like. She writes, has written about um, first ladies. She's written about vice presidents and um, she usually tends to stay. uh, She's written about inside the white house. She usually tends to stay in that, in that kind of realm, but her latest book came out December 6th and it's about Elizabeth Taylor and it's getting so much good press. It's called Elizabeth Taylor, the grit and glamor of an icon. So I've actually interviewed Kate's dad, who is a Royal author, a Royal biographer. And that's, we'll talk about the Royals in just a second, but I, I, tend to tread very heavily in the royal British royal family. And her dad's name is Christopher Anderson. But she, Kate, is an author in her own right. She's brilliant. And I think this is her sixth or something book. And she, in this book, she was given unprecedented access to the late Elizabeth Taylor's letters. And um, 
it's just, I, I can't wait to read it. Actually, my mom is getting this book for Christmas. Um, so by the time this episode comes out, she, she's also currently in my house. So hopefully she didn't hear that, but I, I think she kind of already knew. <laughs> um, but, um, but she's getting this for Christmas and I'm going to read it as well. And it just has get, gotten great reviews. And so that is Elizabeth Taylor, The Grit and Glamour of an Icon by Kate Anderson Brower. And that is already out. It came out December 6th. So that is my next pick. What's yours? Mine is, this is not self-promotional because it's not my book, but I am going to seize the opportunity to promote a book by a dear friend. I am looking forward to Midwest Shreds by Mandy Shinara. And yeah, no, I don't know anything about skating. That is not my area of expertise. Like roller skating or ice skating? like skateboarding or roller skating okay. or rollerblading. Okay. okay. Um, Mandy has been working on this book about skating in the Midwest. People often think about skating as being a coastal thing, like, you mm-hmm. know, LA or whatever. Um, but I'm really excited. Mandy is a brilliant writer, fantastic essayist. And this will be their first book. I don't have a firm publishing date yet. Um, And I try not to text too often to say, but when is it coming? But when is it coming? (laughs) But I'm really excited to see how they've blended research and narrative in this book that explores the various forms of skating and how that shows up in the Midwest on the website for the book written the midwest isn't flyover country it's skate over country and i thought that was a great line i love that because i'm from the midwest so that is that's that's awesome i can't wait to check well, that out mandy's from alabama but now lives in columbus ohio so okay anyway okay. fantastic writer strongly recommend uh, looking up their essays in general but can't wait for this book love it well i have two more and now we're actually moving into 2023 albeit very early into 2023. So as I alluded to before listeners, I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I love books, but my main, um, one of my main writing roles is I am a Royal correspondent for the, about the British Royal family. So I can't not talk about what I'm looking forward to reading in 2023 and not mention Spare, which is Prince Harry's memoir. He wrote that with J.R. Moringer, who's a, a very veteran um, biographer, Andre Agassi, Phil Knight, Um, He also wrote an autobiography called The Tinder Bar, which was made into a movie, I think, in 2021 with Ben Affleck and George Clooney. And this book comes out at the beginning of the year, January 10th. Um, We it is under lock and key. I've tried to get an advanced copy of that. No dice. So I truly I'm not the only one. No one knows what is in this book. It's 416 pages and Harry was paid $20 million for it. So you know that nobody's shelling out $20 million unless they're bringing the juice there. So that book is out at the top of the year, of course, as we record this on December 18th, the Harry and Meghan docuseries, which I won't, I, we're not going to go into the royal world because that is not what you all, if you want to listen to me talk about the royals, you can go to my other show podcast royal, but it, it's just, even if you're a royal fan or not, I think it's going to be a compelling memoir and uh, Harry and Meghan's docuseries just came out. They were pretty candid. So I have no doubt that Harry will be very candid in this tell-all. And it is out January 10th. So we shall see. So we should know that we are not going to be able to talk to you 
that week or the following weekend. Because I'm strongly considering, I don't know if I will do this. This would be so on brand for me though, but I'm strongly, if I have enough vacation days, taking at least a half day, because I don't know if I can wait a full day to dig into this book. I pre-ordered it. So I guess I'll have to wait till it shows up. So I might as well go to work. But um, anyway, that's, uh, yes, I will be on lockdown. I mean, it will take me a night. I'll read it that night, I'm sure. But yes, that night I'm spoken for. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear your reaction because I know you're I know. super psyched. It's either going to be like really much ado about nothing, or it's going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. So we'll see. We'll see <laughs> I'm glad happens. you don't have to wait much longer. I know three well, weeks, two days. Not that we're counting. No. Um, well, apparently April 11th is a big day in my personal publishing interests because the last book I'm going to recommend or share that I'm excited for today is Losing Music by John Cotter. And it is also being published on April 11th by Milkweed Editions, which is my favorite um, publisher. That's and, Margaret Wrinkles, right? Oh, yeah. It is um, a daydream about maybe getting something published by them someday. Um, Take it into existence, my friend. And that's what we're here for, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I got to write it first. But exactly. anyhow, this is a memoir. Surprise, surprise. Um about the author um, and his experience with Meniere's disease, a condition that I am most familiar with because Ryan Adams, the singer-songwriter, also has it. Okay. Um, I love music. I used to be a music writer as well. And the idea of not being able to properly hear music is um, distressing. Particularly, I think, when I consider people who might have an even stronger relationship, much stronger, perhaps, relationship to music than I do. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, I'm uh, really looking forward to reading this uh, author's experience with this particular disease. And as I mentioned earlier, reading is many things. It can be escape, it can be entertainment, but it can also be a way to understand ourselves or other people. And reading someone's experience with um, a disability is one way to get into another person's life and better understand and relate to them. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, you came with the good picks. I've got a lot of work to do to round up all these and put them in the show notes. But my last pick is a book I've actually already read, but I want to throw it in here. It's called Eight Rules of Love, How to Find It, Keep It, and Let It Go. It's by Jay Shetty, who is an incredibly famous and well-known podcaster, and it's out January 31st. So Jay Shetty is a former monk. He's probably one of the most just inspirational podcasters that, that I listen to on a regular basis. He's um, just so genuine and just celebrities tend to love him. I think just because he really, I think, I think actually he married Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, which um, I I didn't realize that he, he did that, but he's kind of a jack of all trades. He, he can do anything. And this book is really good. And um, honestly, the number of, of, it's interesting because it's, the book is called eight rules of love, how to find it, keep it and let it go. But the number one takeaway that I took away from the book 
was how to fall in love with yourself before you even mm. start dating. And so, you know, I, I don't know what I expected and it has great tips about being in a relationship as well. But the number one thing I took away was just how important it is to build that solid foundation with yourself, which really wasn't again with the book titled eight rules of love, you know, it wasn't what I was expecting, but it was, it's really good and just really thoughtful. And I, I think I'm going to read it again. It's sitting, I'm actually looking at it right now. It's sitting on my, um, my nightstand right now. And just, he, he proceeds himself. I mean, he's just doing really good work in the podcasting space. And I, you know, you never know if a, a podcaster will translate to a good writer, a good author, but he did. And that book is out January 31st. And it's just really, it's just really thought provoking. I can't speak thought provoking. And I'm going to have to honestly read it probably a couple more times to get all of the goods out of it. So that is my final pick for 2023. And this has been fantastic. I mean, this you listeners, you've been invited into just a glimpse of what our you know, twice monthly coffees are, are like at a local coffee shop here in Birmingham. And you and I could talk forever, but in the interest of your time and my listeners time, I just want to say thank you so much for being here today. And um, anything else you'd like to add for the good of the order before we wrap up? Um, uh, people can send uh, gift cards to thank you books, attention to <laughs> Yeah, I know. Right. Like, please, please. We love thank you books. And um, if you're in the Birmingham area, you should, if you haven't, I'm sure you have, it's, it's such a beloved bookstore already, although it's not that old, but um, yeah, send, send those gift cards to thank you books. We'll pick them up and then we'll come back this time (laughs) next year. We'll come back this time next year and give you some more book recommendations that we read because of your generosity. So (laughs) I mean, I'm teasing, but I am hoping that that maybe a few will find their way into my stuff. That's right. That's right. You can't, you cannot ever have too many books and too many trips to thank you books. But again, thank you for being here today. Happy 2023 to all of you listeners. We've got so much in store for next year, including as I alluded to, I'm shooting for the moon and asking so many different types of guests on and hopefully they'll say yes. And we can have really enriching conversations. I can't wait to be on the journey with all of you. And again, Carla Jean, thank you. And we will talk soon. Happy 2023. Happy 2023.